Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, January 6th. In today's news, President Trump doubles down on his threats to bomb Iranian cultural sites, a potential war crime. Nancy Pelosi says the House will vote this week on a war powers resolution. And terrorists kill three Americans on a U.S. military base in Kenya. But first, the big idea. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was awakened by a 4 a.m. phone call last week alerting him to the large protest outside the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. As demonstrators began hurling Molotov cocktails at the heavily fortified compound, Pompeo grappled with the new security threat to his diplomats. He hasn't slept very much since. The secretary spoke to President Trump multiple times every day last week, culminating in Trump's decision to approve the killing of Iran's top military commander, Major General Qasem Soleimani, at the strong urging of Pompeo. The secretary had lost a similar high-stakes deliberation last summer when Trump declined to retaliate militarily against Iran when it downed that U.S. surveillance drone. The outcome of that fight left Pompeo morose. But recent changes to Trump's national security team and the whims of a president anxious about being viewed as soft in the face of Iranian aggression created an opening for Pompeo to press for the kind of action he spent the past decade advocating. The green lighting of the airstrike near the Baghdad airport represents an unquestioned bureaucratic victory for Pompeo. But it also carries multiple serious risks. Another protracted regional war in the Middle East, retaliatory assassinations of U.S. personnel stationed around the world, an interruption in the battle against the Islamic State, the closure of diplomatic pathways to containing Iran's nuclear program, and a major backlash in Iraq, whose parliament voted Sunday to expel all U.S. troops from the country, although that doesn't mean it will necessarily happen right away. Trump's decision to target Soleimani came as a surprise and a shock to some officials briefed on his decision, given the Pentagon's longstanding concerns about escalation and the president's purported aversion to using military force. But senior U.S. officials say that one significant factor that's been discounted in the coverage over the past few days is the friendship between Pompeo and the new Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper. They both graduated together as friends in the same class at West Point, and the two coordinated closely before they briefed Trump at Mar-a-Lago last week. One senior administration official told my colleagues that killing Soleimani never would have happened under former Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis. This person said, quote, Mattis was opposed to all of this. It's not a hit on Mattis. It's just his predisposition. Mattis declined to comment when we asked if he agreed. In the days since the strike, Pompeo has become the public voice of the administration on this matter. He appeared Sunday on all the public affairs shows, all five of them. It's called the Full Ginsburg. But critics inside and outside the administration have questioned Pompeo's justifications for the strike based on his claims that dozens, if not hundreds, of American lives were at risk. Lawmakers left classified briefings with U.S. intelligence officials on Friday, saying they heard nothing to suggest that the threat posed by the proxy forces guided by Soleimani had changed substantially in recent months. When repeatedly pressed on the Sunday shows about the imminent nature of the threats, whether it was days or weeks away, or whether they had been foiled by the U.S. airstrike, Pompeo brushed aside the questions. Some defense officials say Pompeo's claims of an imminent and direct threat were overstated, 
and they'd prefer that he make the case based on the killing of an American contractor and previous Iranian provocations, of which there have been many. Critics have also questioned how an imminent attack would have been foiled by killing Soleimani, who would not have carried out the strike himself. Back on the home front, a critical moment for Pompeo is nearing, as he faces growing questions about a potential run for an open Senate seat in Kansas, though some GOP insiders say that decision seems to have been stalled, especially by what's happening in Iran. Pompeo is kept in close touch with Ward Baker, a political consultant who would probably lead his campaign. And he's also talking to others in McConnell's orbit about a bid. But people familiar with those conversations say Pompeo hasn't committed one way or another. Some, close to Pompeo, say he has mixed feelings about becoming a relatively junior senator from Kansas after leading the State Department and the CIA. But there's little doubt in Pompeo's home state that he would win if he runs. At every step of his government career, including time in Congress before going to Langley and then Foggy Bottom, Pompeo has tried to stake out a maximalist position on Iran. That's made him popular among two critical pro-Israeli constituencies in Republican politics, conservative Jewish donors and Christian evangelicals. After Trump tapped Pompeo to lead CIA, Pompeo quickly set up an Iran mission center at the agency to focus intelligence-gathering efforts and operations. He elevated Iran's importance as an intelligence target. And at the State Department, he has been a voracious consumer of diplomatic notes and reporting on Iran. Insiders say that he places the country far above other geopolitical and economic hotspots in the world. Referring to the massive flow of paper that crosses the secretary's desk, one senior current diplomat says, if it's about Iran, Pompeo will read it. If it's not, quote, good luck. And that's the big idea. Here are three other related headlines that should be on your radar as we start this new week. Number one, Trump served up a bellicose brew of threats, rebukes, and contempt on Sunday night as he escalated tensions in the Middle East and awaited Iran's inevitable retaliation for killing one of its top generals. Trump projected a wartime posture as he wrapped up his two-week holiday vacation telling reporters on Air Force One as he flew from Palm Beach to Washington that if Iran takes military action against the United States, he's deadly serious about ordering airstrikes on Iranian cultural heritage sites. The 1954 Hague Convention for the Protection of Cultural Property bans the targeting of cultural sites with military action. Iran has 24 locations on the United Nations' list of cultural world heritage sites. Trump's tough talk is emblematic of a president who has flouted the tenets of international and U.S. law on war crimes. He's insisted that enhanced interrogation techniques such as waterboarding work. He suggested killing the families of terrorists to fight the Islamic State. And just two months ago, he cleared three members of the U.S. Armed Services accused or convicted of war crimes over the objections of senior military officers. Number two, Trump is also flouting protocols here at home making a mockery of the legal requirement that he advise Congress of military action by writing on Twitter yesterday that his tweets would serve as sufficient notification if he bombs Iran. In response, Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced overnight that the House will vote on a war powers resolution this week in a bid to tie Trump's hands when it comes to Tehran. The Speaker told fellow House Democrats in a letter that the strike on Soleimani was, quote, provocative and disproportionate, and that it has endangered the lives of members of the military, diplomats, and civilians who are overseas. In her letter, Pelosi said the resolution that the House will take up would mandate that if no further congressional action is taken, 
The administration's military hostilities with regard to Iran must cease within 30 days. Pelosi says the House resolution will be similar to one that Senator Tim Kaine, the Democrat from Virginia, has introduced in the Senate. I'm told that freshman Congresswoman Elisa Slotkin from Michigan, formerly a CIA and Pentagon analyst who specializes in Shiite militias, will spearhead this resolution. The measure is very likely to pass out of the House on a party line vote, but we don't expect it to get far in the GOP-controlled Senate. Number three. All Shabab militants launched a pre-dawn attack on Sunday on an airstrip used by the U.S. and Kenyan militaries on Kenya's coast near the border with Somalia, killing one U.S. service member and two American private contractors. Two other American contractors were wounded and have been evacuated in stable condition, according to the Pentagon. The attack marked a rare, successful incursion by al-Shabaab into a foreign military compound, let alone one outside its usual operating grounds in Somalia, and one that's used by U.S. special forces and other defense personnel. Residents and tourists in the Lamu region reported seeing a plume of smoke and hearing gunfire at 3.30 a.m. that continued until mid-morning. It was unclear exactly how the attack unfolded, but pictures of the aftermath indicate that al-Shabaab was able to detonate explosives where U.S. military equipment, including helicopters and other aircraft, were stationed. The U.S. military statement said that there was damage to six contractor-operated civilian aircraft. U.S. forces trained Kenyan soldiers at a base attached to the airstrip known as Camp Simba, and they used the airstrip to launch aerial missions against al-Shabaab in Somalia. The Kenyan defense minister says the bodies of five attackers were found after the firefight ended. Al-Shabaab, which is affiliated with al-Qaeda, has mounted a string of increasingly bold attacks, alarming attacks in Kenya recently, including multiple ambushes on passenger buses traveling in the region close to the Somali border. Just last weekend, in fact, the group bombed a busy intersection in the Somali capital of Mogadishu, killing at least 80 people. The U.S. military has led a largely aerial campaign against al-Shabaab for much of the past decade. Back in 2017, Trump loosened the U.S. military's rules of engagement in Somalia, allowing for greater offensive use of force. Since then, the U.S. military has increased drone strikes and carried out a record 63 drone strikes last year. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, January 6th. Thanks for listening. It's good to be back from vacation. I'm James Holman. If you want to get more news about the impeachment process, you can subscribe to a podcast feed from The Washington Post with all our updates in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202's Big Idea, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports. Find it at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. <laughs>